Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by Julia Smeltz. I brought Julia back on to talk about something we had talked about briefly in passing on her previous interview, and that is the four arches. And diving into the conversation on why the four arches are so important to our function and stability as humans. Whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. Julia, thank you for joining me today. How are you? Oh my gosh, it's so good to be here, Brianne. I'm doing really well. Thank you for inviting me back. Of course. I'm excited to have you back. We I can for didn't even look at what episode it was, so how long ago it was that we talked, but we kind of did a very superficial mention of the topic we're going to dive into today. So I'm super excited to dive into that. But first, in case someone is new to who you are, um, go ahead and introduce yourself and let us know who you are. Yeah, I would love to. So my name is Dr. Julia Smeltz. I am a pelvic health PT and a sports ortho PT by Kraft. Um, I have my own business in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, so kind of the east coast of PA, an hour north of Philadelphia, an hour and some change outside of Manhattan, and I basically help women. So I help women mostly with their postpartum journey, getting back to running, getting back to sports, whatever their aspirations are, um, and if they are athletic and a little bit challenging, that is like totally my wheelhouse, and I love working with motivated populations. So that's uh, pretty much what I do. Um, I teach online. I teach pelvic health online to students who don't have access to pelvic health education, because um, I believe students are the next generation of pelvic health PTs and are really going to change our world and make sure that pelvic health services are super accessible to everyone. Um, and then I'm building a music venue in my backyard. So that's kind of like everything I have my hands in <laughs> right now. And I just got a new puppy. So now I'm a, a puppy mom. <laughs> so that's, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> I was wondering how the backyard situation was coming because I knew that was a project. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I probably talked about it on the last podcast. And I was like, yeah, we're building a music venue. And I've been waiting for a fence for forever. So uh, last time I heard my fence had made it out of the bay, it was on a ship. Um, and with like, the, um, the shortages of um, what am I trying to say? Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, we weren't getting shipments of things. So it was on a ship somewhere. It finally made it to shore. It was in a warehouse and then the warehouse burnt down. So I'm like at the top oh of gosh. this company's list to get this fence. So if I don't have a fence by this fall and I'm playing music in my backyard, I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Enough to have supply, supply chain. That's the phrase I was looking for. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, I really want to let's dive into the topic today. And I know you focus on women's health, but this really has no, nothing specific to do with women because mm-hmm. every, I mean, even if like anatomically, like we all have the four arches that we're going to talk about and how they're, how, how they're related. So, um, so we want to dive into today is the body has four arches, four diaphragms, whichever way you want to word it. And they are all interconnected and super important. Um, so I will let you kind of introduce what those four are. Yeah, sure, definitely. And as you mentioned, Brianne, like this applies to everybody. So not just female specific. Um, And I kind of got into exploring the four arches uh, because of my work with pelvic health. So one of the arches that we're going to discuss is the pelvic floor. And something that kind of all of pelvic health revolves around is this foundational concept that the pelvic floor is a part of this deep core system. 
And this deep core system creates this muscular cylinder in the midsection of our body, and it's our pressure management system. It's comprised of our pelvic floor on the bottom, our breathing diaphragm on top, our transverse abdominus muscle, which is the deepest abdominal muscle of the human body, wrapping around the sides to the front, and then our multifidi muscles on the back. So every movement that we make creates pressure, it creates force. And these forces are distributed into this pressure canister, into our deep core system. And this is where our body manages pressure. So in the world of pelvic health, when we talk about pelvic health dysfunction, we talk about things like diastasis recti, which is essentially an abdominal herniation. We talk about low back pain, pelvic pain. We talk about incontinence or pelvic organ prolapse. All of these different diagnoses, even though they have like certain names, they really stem from the exact same driver. And all of these things are really just a problem with the pressure management in our deep core system. So for example, if in this system, your weakest link is your abdominal muscles, then you're gonna have symptoms of abdominal hernias or um, diastasis recti if you had a pregnancy. If your area of least resistance and weakness is your pelvic floor, then you might have symptoms of pelvic organ prolapse or urine leakage, things like that. Could be tailbone pain, pelvic pain. So when we talk about like one of the diaphragms, the pelvic floor, um, from a pelvic health perspective, really we're talking about pressure management. Like the pelvic floor is really important in this whole system of managing pressures in our body. And obviously our breathing diaphragm, which is another one of the diaphragms we'll talk about, which creates the roof of this system, uh, is really important for managing pressures in our midsection as well. So these are just two of the diaphragms that we have in our body, um, but there are many more. Some people say there's up to eight diaphragms in our body. And the purpose of these diaphragms is really to control pressures all throughout our body. So Usually um, I break it down to four main diaphragms because I work with a lot of runners, a lot of weekend warriors, a lot of people who are you know, looking to get back to high impact activities. So whenever I'm looking at high impact activities and working with athletes, I always start with the feet, which Brienne, I understand that you are like all about the feet, which I love. Absolutely. <laughs> cool. So yes, yes. I mean, when the foot hits the ground, everything changes. Everything starts with your engagement with the earth because that sets up your solid base of support. So in the body, we have all these diaphragms. I talked about how they're important to manage pressures. The reason managing pressure is really important is because pressure is how we create stability. So all of these arches or all of these diaphragms are all about managing pressure slash creating stability in the body. And the reason that stability is so important is because if we are moving and moving through the world without having stability, then we're setting ourselves up for compensations. We're setting ourselves up for injury. So if you're looking to really like injury proof yourself, finding stability, thinking about these diaphragms of the body and doing a little biohacking, like checking in to see like how healthy are your diaphragms? Like, are they working together? Do you have a stable base of support from which you're moving can really set you up for success. So Usually if I'm working with athletic populations, I'll start with the feet because that is our you know, first contact with the earth. This is where we can start to gain a lot of stability. And I usually walk patients through like how to find stability in their feet. Then we'll uh, talk about how to find stability within the pelvic floor. Then we'll talk about finding stability in the diaphragm. And then I'll bring, um, bring us up to the fourth diaphragm that I usually talk about, which is our glottis. 
as I mentioned, there may be eight diaphragms. So some people say that there's some like in your cranium, in your skull, managing pressures like in your head and in your cranial cavity. Um, some people say that there are diaphragms and pressure management systems behind your knees. So there's a lot of like give and take here. Uh, but basically when we talk about diaphragms, we're talking about structures that help to manage pressure and increase stability to, to decrease injury. So I'll kind of walk you through, you know, anyone who's listening at home or in the gym or wherever you are, like if you're looking to kind of check into your diaphragms and, and figure out how to optimize them, I'll kind of walk you through where I take my patients and clients and introducing them to their diaphragms. Do you think that's a good place to go, Brianne? Should yes, we do it? I love that direction. Let's do it. Okay, cool, cool. So in order to optimize all these diaphragms, posturing and positioning is really important. So I'm gonna take it back to the deep core system really quick because there we have two of our diaphragms. We have our pelvic floor and our breathing diaphragm making the floor and the roof of our deep core system, which is this canister that controls all the pressures within our abdominal cavity. So in order for this pressure management system, this pressure cooker to work optimally, we have to make sure that there are no kinks in the system. So these can be mechanical kinks. So for example, if your pelvis is out of balance, if it isn't aligned, if you haven't found you know, pelvic neutral in a place where a lot of the muscles that attach to your pelvis are able to function at optimum strength at their mid-range of their motion um, and haven't found the place where, I should back up. It's been a long day, Brianne, I'm losing my words. <laughs> a lot of talking today. Um, <laughs> But anyways, we want to optimize these diaphragms. Uh, we need to look at the pelvic floor, making sure that our pelvis is balanced. If our pelvis isn't balanced, we're gonna have kinks in the system. The same thing with our diaphragm. We know that when muscles function best, they're at their mid-range of motion. All the muscles of the deep core system that I mentioned that make up this cylinder of muscle in the midsection of the body, they are at their midsection and their mid-range of motion where they can generate the most strength when the pelvic floor is stacked right underneath the breathing diaphragm. So the pelvic floor is housed within the pelvis, the breathing diaphragm is housed within the rib cage. So a good way to check to see if these diaphragms are aligned, if the system is devoid of kinks, is that when you're engaging in movements, you can check to see if your pelvis is aligned right underneath your rib cage. You can also extend this all the way down to your feet. So are the diaphragms of your feet, and when we talk about the diaphragms of the feet, we're talking about your arches, uh, because these are the places where you're absorbing pressure, you're absorbing force, and you're allowing that force to travel up into your body and be dissipated. So continuing with that alignment is your rib cage over top of your pelvis, is your pelvis directly over top of your feet. And then bringing that up even further to your glottis is your glottis right over top of your rib cage, which is over top of your pelvis, which is over top of your feet. So for many of us, if we're even looking at our glottis, like our glottis is not aligned. I'll speak for myself. Mine could be in more optimal alignment uh, because I went to PT school and I spent three years with like horrible sitting posture, like eyes glued to a computer screen. So I have that nice little diagnosis called tech neck. I have it a little bit. I'm aware of it, but I'm a PT, so I'm working on myself. Um, but it's a process, you know? So Anyone who spends a lot of time sitting, a lot of time working on computers, if you find that your head or your glottis, which is um, that stoppage area at your, at your throat, if you feel like that is more over your rib cage, if you feel like your head is forward, most likely your glottis is not aligned over your rib cage. 
and that's going to decrease the pressure management throughout your entire body. It's also going to impact your stability. So this is something that you can kind of do in a mirror. You can check to see, you know, where is my head position? Is it directly over my rib cage? Where's my rib cage located? So for many of us, uh, we have tilted pelvises, which means that our rib cage gets pushed either for, uh, forward or back in order to compensate for that uh, pelvis that's malaligned. So in my case, um, I'll speak for myself and all of my dysfunctions that I am working <laughs> on. <laughs> but for me, I have a tendency, or at least in the past, I had a tendency to tilt my pelvis forward into an anterior pelvic tilt. And that meant that my rib cage was tilted back. So for me, when I do my posture checks, um, in the morning, I usually do these. I stand in front of a mirror and I start to align myself and get into a habit of doing that. So for me, I have to make sure that I'm pulling my pelvis back into a pelvic neutral and I'm pushing my rib cage forward. So that's directly in line with my pelvis. So I'll go back to the feet because this is where I usually start. But if you're doing a posture check for yourself, what I recommend is standing in front of the mirror and having your feet hip width apart and just kind of being a silent witness about what's happening in your own body. So the first question I usually ask is, where is your weight distributed? Do you have more weight on your right foot compared to your left or vice versa? Can you even out that weight distribution on both feet so that it's even? Now kind of feel into where your weight is distributed front to back. Do you feel like you have more weight over your toes, over your heels, or is it centered right over the arch of your foot? That's where we want it. So we want equal weight distribution on both feet. We want that weight centered over the diaphragms of your feet, those arches, so they can absorb pressure and ground reaction forces. And then you wanna keep your feet right there. That's their home. That's where your feet are going to operate best and where those diaphragms are going to have a chance to really function the way that they're designed to. Then from there, you can bring your awareness up to your hips. And I usually recommend putting both hands on the tops of your hips and just doing some gentle standing cat cows or some anterior and posterior pelvic tilts and just feeling the movement of your pelvis. So you can think of your pelvic bowl being full of water and you're gonna take that water in your pelvic bowl and you're gonna slosh it out the front and you're gonna slosh it out the back. And then you're gonna find that space halfway between the water sloshing out the front and sloshing out the back, that space where the water is completely still and quiet. That's your pelvic neutral. So when you're there, your hips are aligned, your pelvis is aligned, uh, and your pelvic floor is directly in position to be underneath your rib cage. Now you need to bring your attention to your rib cage. And I usually recommend taking your hands and putting them on the sides of your rib cage, right at the bottom of your ribs. And just feeling, do you feel like your ribs are forward over your pelvis? Do you feel like they're back? How can you move your rib cage to get it in line with the pelvis? And then bringing your attention to your last diaphragm, if, if we're concentrating on four, big four, um, which is your glottis. So taking a look at your tech neck, if you have some, are you able to bring your head back into a position so that your glottis at your throat is directly over your rib cage? And then from here, see how it changes your ease of breathing. If you're in this position, again, this is where 
so many muscles of your body that help to create stability are at their mid range so that they're able to fully functional in an or fully function in an optimal way. You're able to absorb ground reaction forces. You're able to distribute pressure all throughout the body. And it really just sets you up for more stability. So sense into how much easier it is to breathe here. And, you know, if you've had any experience with pelvic health, PT or yoga, you know how important it is to funnel your breath all the way down into your pelvic floor uh, because your pelvic floor is the very first group of muscles that contracts in anticipation of all movement. So it's the very first group of muscle, uh, muscles that are firing to create that stability within the pressure management system of your deep core. So that ease of breathing when all of these diaphragms are aligned uh, is really noticeable and is something that you can play with and that I would encourage that everyone plays with every morning. Uh, that's a good time to do it because you wake up in the morning, you head to the bathroom, you probably stand in front of a mirror. So you can go ahead and align all your diaphragms and keep them aligned as you're brushing your teeth or doing your hair, your makeup, or, uh, you know, whatever you do in front of the mirror in the morning. <laughs> That's an awesome description. Um, and so easy to, for someone to walk through as far as like making sure everything's aligned head to toe or toe to head, whichever way you want to do that. Right. Um, so you mentioned as far as if we're in that good position, we're, um, more stable, uh, more controlled, we breathe better. What happens if say we're in that position, but maybe like the arches are collapsing, the foot arches are collapsing, or maybe the diaphragm is tight. Cause we know that can get, um, as PTs, we know that can get restricted and tight. So what mm -hmm. happens if like, we're in this perfect alignment, but there's still like issues in the tissues. Yeah, sure. Good question. So I think you pretty much answered the question in the question, like this is perfect alignment. This is the ideal, but like life happens. So like movement is available to you. Like there's all these different types of movements that you can get into. And like, even though stacking all your diaphragms and being in this quote unquote, perfect posture is the best way to engage these diaphragms and these pressure management systems, that doesn't mean that we have to have them fully, you know, engaged all the time and be able to tap into their full potential all the time. Um, so movement is really fluid. It's flexible. So yeah, maybe you're listening to this and you're like, well, this isn't ever going to happen for me. Like I'm never going to be able to align my, my four diaphragms because I have collapsed arches or like I, you know, my PT or my Cairo or someone told me that I overpronate and like, that's, that's just how my body is. Like that's, that's no, that's no big issue. Um, but just understanding kind of the physiology of how the body works, like the body is constantly looking for balance and it loves patterns. So even if you have like, you know, tightness in your diaphragm or you have, you know, um, fallen arches, like these are things that we can work on um, to help create more optimization in the system. We're not looking for perfection. We're just looking to understand how the body works and how we can help it operate and work even better. So yeah, I mean, if you have tight and restricted muscles or soft tissue, like working that out and being able to manage the connective tissue in your body to reduce adhesions is, is really great. And that's something that I encourage everyone to do, to be able to have a mobility practice where you are working on creating healthy uh, connective tissue um, because all these diaphragms, I didn't mention this before, they're all connected. Everything in your body is all connected and it's connected through the connective tissue. 
So connective tissue, it responds really well to gentle, slow, prolonged, constant pressure. So any mobility work where maybe you're just grabbing a tennis ball or a lacrosse ball and finding areas of tension. So maybe laying on your stomach and putting that tennis ball or lacrosse ball on your diaphragm and sinking into the pressure of that ball as you breathe around it. And that's the important part. Whenever you're releasing connective tissue, uh, the power of your breath is super important. So bringing your breath to the area of tension and allowing that to be the power that releases that soft tissue that's a, that's kind of key there. So I would say, yeah, we're talking about, you know, optimizing a system, but what in life is truly optimal? Um, I think what's, what's better is just to be curious about, you know, what, what's like, what's the best way that the body can operate and how, you know, how close could I get with that? And how, how could I play uh, with what I know and what I know about my body? Yeah, that makes sense. Let's take a brief moment to talk about the Get Your Fix app. This app was designed with the athlete in mind. Both the athlete who is injured and wants to get past it, as well as the athlete who wants to become resilient. There are programs on the app for you if you are a runner, as well as you if you are a CrossFit athlete or an obstacle course racer. So I encourage you to go check it out at app.getyourfixpt.com. Once again, that is app.getyourfixpt.com. And now back to the conversation. I'm curious now because the, the way we build up that pressure, at least from the way you described it, is by like activating the muscles and making them like work like they're meant to be worked and, and all of that, as well as the alignment. How does like, say someone has collapsed arches and they haven't worked on their feet, but they went to some, a podiatrist were put in orthotics. So that orthotic is controlling it. It's not making their feet actually work. How does that play into the pressures being generated through, through that diaphragm or that arch? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so there's a place for everything. I believe that everything is a tool. So it may sound like I'm anti-orthotics. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not. They're all tools. It all depends on how we use them. I don't believe there's a bad tool, but I do believe there's bad ways to use tools. Um, <laughs> so just, just my, my thoughts there. Um, but so the body's really smart and the body is not going to exert energy in places where it doesn't need to. So if you have a device that is taking over the function of a part of your body, the body's not going to put energy towards that. So the whole like saying, if you don't use it, you lose it. Like when it comes to the body, that could not be more true. So if you have fallen arches and you're like, Hey, you know, my arches are falling. I'm going to get an orthotic and I'm going to create that arch again. Um, yeah, that's great. You can do that. You can create that arch again artificially with an orthotic, but understanding that that orthotic is a crutch. If you are putting something mechanical there that is taking, you know, the role of, of what the arches, the muscles and the arches of your feet would do, the body's not going to exert energy towards like you keeping up your arches and the muscles that are responsible for defining your arch are going to atrophy. That's just what happens because they're already being supported. The body doesn't need to do any more work. It doesn't need to put energy there. It's going to put energy towards other things. So orthotics can be a great tool, um, especially like if you are getting ready for an event and you need that extra support during your event. But I would highly recommend like relying on your body um, and 
and what your body, like our bodies are so capable and they're constantly searching and reaching towards balance. And you can do a lot of work with your arches. Um, so something that I recommend, cause I actually went through this whole process, um, toe yoga, if you've ever heard of it is a great way to really explore um, how defined and how strong and functional you can get your arches and your feet in general. Um, I went through a whole kind of process uh, in college. I was running a ton um, and competing in a ton of races and was having a lot of debilitating ankle pain and knee pain. I had had Oshkut slaughters as a kid, so it was kind of stemming from there. Um, and I decided I was going to switch to minimal footwear and see what happened there. And I, I did it like you know, I didn't have much PT education at that point, but I feel good. I was like, I'm going to do this the right way. And I'm going to like ease into it. I'm not just going to like be a barefoot runner like today, like I'm going <laughs> to ease into it. Um, and so I explored toe yoga. I worked on building up my arches because I'd been wearing orthotics for over 10 years. Like when I was a kid in middle school, I had Oshkut slaughters. I got orthotics and I was told, yeah, you're going to need these for the rest of your life but it was causing for me a lot of atrophy of structures in my lower extremity that I needed for support. Like I was losing support within my body because I'd been relying on the orthotics for so long. So it really wasn't a great tool for me long-term. Uh, Short-term, it would have been fine for me personally. Um, so anyways, I started doing toe yoga, started building up my arches, um, also started slacklining, uh, which if anyone is into nice. slacklining, I, I think it's great for training your feet. Um, and it's amazing. Like the first time you get on a slack line, like your foot's all shaking you're like, oh my gosh, what is this? And it's really like your the intrinsic muscles of the bottom of your feet just being like, oh, okay, like let's wake up and do something like this is an unstable surface. What is this? Like, how can we create stability here? So it's like your body's going through this whole learning process while you're in the process of like figuring out how to slack line, uh, which is really cool. So yeah, orthotics are a tool, uh, use them as such, but um, just, just know what, what happens physiologically if, uh, if we use them as a crutch for, for long periods of time, the body will, will rely on them and will not put energy towards the upkeep of the intrinsic muscles of your arches. You just, I used to, it's been a long time since I've done any slack lining and now I really <laughs> want to like figure out where I can set one up at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a really fun sport. I mean, I used to do a lot of rock climbing. So when you're like not on belay or not climbing, I mean, slack lining was the thing to do. <laughs> and that's pretty much when I did it. Cause there was a slack line in my climbing gym when I used to climb all the time too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fun, fun sport. It is. Absolutely. That's Great awesome. for your feet. <laughs> great for so many things, just the balance, the control, the feet. Yeah. So many good things. <laughs> um, okay. So with the, let's actually, let's go and focus on more of that deep core area a little bit more, just because of how, like we know the foot and ankle issues always exist. Um, but I think there's a lot more that goes on with the deep core that people really don't realize as far as like, they like, especially women, it's, you know, the, a lot of more of the leakage issues men do have it too, obviously, but more women. Um, but just kind of like the, the back pain from sitting or standing too long and, and all these things that go on. If someone's having issues and I guess not even centered there, but if someone's having issues, say in that deep core area, back pain, pelvic issues, things like that, 
where like do they start to figure out is it the feet is it the pelvic floor is it the diaphragm is it something completely unrelated Mm -hmm. yeah that's a really good question and uh, it's really interesting because in my practice, um, like I mentioned that I do pelvic health, I also do sports and ortho and kind of like a combination of everything. So a lot of the clients that I get, they have been dealing with pain for decades and they've seen multiple practitioners, they've followed different lines of treatment and maybe things will get better for a little bit, but then it comes back. And I always hear the same line all the time. Like I have all these things going on and like, I think they're unrelated, like they seem unrelated, but I'm just not sure. And usually if I hear something like that, I always bring it back to the pelvic floor. Um, Because as I mentioned, the pelvic floor is the foundation from which human movement originates from. It is the very first group of muscles to contract in anticipation of every movement. So it is basically that first diaphragm that fires to keep our midsection stable and secure. And uh, kind of the physiology of how it does this, uh, because I think this would be good to understand is it follows the breath. So this is an unconscious process um, that for a healthy pelvic floor and a healthy functioning deep core system, we don't have to think about because it does it automatically. So when we inhale, this whole process happens in the deep core system. The air enters the body on an inhale, the diaphragm moves down, the pelvic floor follows suit, it expands and lengthens to allow that air to enter the body. The transverse abdominis uh, flares and widens. So the belly button moves away from the spine and then our multifidi muscles on the back of our vertebrae, they start to expand. So here we have an entire system that is on stretch. So it has potential energy. It has energy that we can do something with and we do something with it on the exhale. So when we exhale, everything returns back to its resting position. So the diaphragm goes back up uh, into its resting position in the rib cage. The pelvic floor contracts and lifts up gently towards the crown of head. That's essentially a Kegel contraction. The transverse abdominis comes back in towards the spine. So belly button back in towards spine and the multifidi muscles go back to their shortened resting position. So when all this happens, we have this elastic recoil effect that helps to stabilize the pelvis and stabilize the low spine. And this is kind of the very first like stabilizing process that happens in anticipation of all movement. So whenever you know, someone is having some sort of pain or injury and they're like, you know, where do we start to like rehab this? Where should we look with the, you know, the way I practice and the knowledge and skills that I have, I always go first to the pelvic floor because this is a really big pressure management system. I mean, our abdomen is probably one of the bigger pressure management systems in our body. It is bigger than our cranium. It's bigger than, you know, our neck or our thoracic cavity. So there's a lot of pressure that gets built up in that system. And if it's not managed correctly, like it can affect everyone, everything throughout your entire body. And then also like we know this stabilization effect that happens on the exhale, um, that stabilizes our pelvis and our low back, like this affects everything up the kinetic chain. So up your spine, you know, affecting the way that your shoulders operate and are positioned, affecting the way that your neck is operating and positioned. And then even down the kinetic chain as well, reaching all the way down to your feet. Um, so I tend to look at the pelvic floor, see if there's any dysfunction there, because this is where movement occurs. This is where it originates from. Um, And then from there, uh, you know, I'll probably look at the feet because that's the first access point for grounding us into the earth. Um, So that's kind of like where I look uh, due to my knowledge and skill base. And, you know, what I've found with my clients is really helpful. And also, I think it's in part that many of the clients that I have, 
like they've never seen a pelvic health PT before. So they've been through the ringer with practitioners who've tried, you know, like rehabbing their hips, rehabbing their knees, rehabbing their shoulders, and they still have like this plethora of pain. So by the time I see them, it's like, well, if no one's looked at your pelvic floor, <laughs> let's start there. Um, because this could be the thread that strings everything together. Um, one of my not that I have favorite patients or anything, but you know, I, there is like an ideal patient that if I could wake up every morning and treat this patient, like, man, I would just be so stoked <laughs> to be among the world of the living. Um, and, uh, it just so happens that like my avatar, my ideal client, um, is embodied in, in my patient, um, whose name is Jen. She's a good friend of mine. And I met Jen, um, she gave me a call and she was like, Hey, you know, um, I'm a friend of the family. I know you recently graduated from PT school, like not too long ago. And I was just curious if you learned anything there that could help me. And she told me that basically for the past almost three decades, she had had debilitating knee pain in both knees, hip pain, jaw pain, neck pain, shoulder pain. And she'd been to all these different providers and like she would rehab one thing and we'd get better for a little bit. And then you know, she would just lose, lose her progress. And she's like, you know, I feel like I'm missing something, but I, I mean, I've, I've been to the shoulder person. I've been to the hip person, the knee person, like I'm running out of people to go to. Uh, so I've come to you. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. Um, so, so it was really interesting. Cause as she was telling me about, you know, her history, she's like, I know, like I'm broken, everything's unrelated. I have all these problems. And I was just like, Jen, like, you're not broken. And I don't feel like all these things are unrelated. Like, I think it could really all be stemming from your pelvic floor. Um, and it was, it was really amazing because I didn't touch your knees. I didn't really, you know, touch your neck, touch your shoulder, uh, two sessions, just working on the pelvic floor and getting it back online, restoring that brain body connection and teaching her pelvic floor again, like how to function optimally, how to coordinate with the breath, how to create that stability and that pressure management within her deep core system to support her movements. After two sessions, the pain in her neck had disappeared. The pain in her shoulder disappeared. Her knees weren't hurting her anymore. And it was just like, you know, everything was kind of stemming from this one centralized point because she didn't have a solid foundation. You know, if you talked to her, she would have said like, yeah, my core feels squishy. I don't feel like I'm engaging my abs or engaging my glutes. Like I just feel like kind of, you know, squishy in the middle. Like I can't find stability there. And she was absolutely right. Like there wasn't stability there because of that. She was having these problems, like, you know, up the kinetic chain and down the kinetic chain affecting multiple joints and body systems. So, yeah. Yeah, I always um actually when I talk to students, I like to tell them about Jen because I mean Jen's an ortho case, right? So why would we look at the pelvic floor? But it's it's really important. Anyone who moves and has a pelvic floor, we need to be looking at the pelvic floor. And spoiler alert, that's everyone. That's everyone. Anyone who moves. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think it, you know, it may just because stereotypically, you know, men don't have as many pelvic floor issues as women do. So I think too, it's, you know, the general ortho PT is probably going to overlook looking at the pelvic floor just because that's not what they're trained in. Um, but I think even more so with the male individual with the joint pain, just because it's not like they can have just as many issues there, but it's just not something that displays as often as a population. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that's because the pressure management system in women, uh, we have an extra, an extra opening, an extra hole for pressure uh, to escape from. So men only have, have one, really. Women have two. And uh, so when it comes to pressure management system in, in a female body, like it's a little different. Um, so that's why oftentimes postpartum, women experience a lot more pelvic floor issues because all of a sudden, like their stability system is being taxed because they're in a recovery phase. And all those different compensations that maybe they've been using their entire lives leading up to their pregnancy, all of a sudden they can't use them anymore. And the weaknesses within their core system and that stabilization system, that pressure management system really start to bubble to the surface. So yeah, I mean, definitely like postpartum, it's, it's a really prime space uh, for, for women to be like, whoa, what is happening with my body? Like, I haven't experienced this before. I haven't experienced pressure in my pelvis or urine leakage with running or pain with sex or like any of these things. Like, why is it happening now? And really like, this is a gift. This is your body telling you like, hey, like you had some mad compensations going on most of your life. Like just wanted to show you what they are, all of them right now, right here <laughs> as you are, <laughs> as you're recovering from your pregnancy. Like, you know, enjoy your baby and, and manage this. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, pelvic floor issues are just as prevalent in men, but, you know, oftentimes, you know, with men, there's not like this, this one event, this one occurrence where the body has to like really take a step back and focus on healing. And then these dysfunctions like come to the surface. Um, Oftentimes, like when men have abdominal surgeries, then some pelvic floor dysfunction starts to rear its head because all of a sudden uh, we have impact and trauma to the deep core system. And the body's going to say like, hey, you know, we're trying to heal. Like here are all these imbalances in your system that you need to like take care of. And then definitely like uh, post uh, prostectomy as well. Like a lot of those pelvic floor dysfunctions start to rear their head and are definitely impacted by that surgery for sure. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I was wondering how, like when it triggers in men or kind of what, how it displays in them compared to women. Yeah. I would say in men, um, for the most part, a lot of like the pelvic floor dysfunction we see in men, um, herniations, constipation, those seem to be like very, uh, very male driven (laughs) pelvic floor dysfunctions. Interesting. Yeah. And it's all about pressure management, right? Like if the weakest part of your system is at your abdominal wall, herniations or groin strains, that's big with male athletes as well. And then um, it's definitely, if if you have a lot of pressure being exerted on your bowel and your bladder, you're going to have dysfunction related to that too. Um, And that could look like constipation. Okay. Super interesting. Yeah. So to kind of start closing it out, um, anything involving the four arches that we have left out that is super important to bring up today? Ooh, good question. Um, no, I think we covered it thoroughly. <laughs> no, I, would, <laughs> I would say, uh, um, yeah, I would encourage everyone who's listening, um, you know, try a posture check, try it right now. Like, you know, stand on the ground and, and sense into your feet is your weight evenly distributed over the arches of your feet. There's your first arch, your first diaphragm, and then bring your awareness to your pelvis. Can you get into pelvic neutral? There's your second diaphragm, uh, speaking about the pelvic floor, which is housed in the pelvis, and then bring your awareness to your rib cage where your diaphragm is housed. Can you bring your rib cage over your pelvis so that your breathing diaphragm is right over top of your pelvic floor? Can you align uh, those diaphragms to create 
you know, a beautifully optimized pressure system. And then take a look at your glottis. You got a tech neck. Is that somewhere where we need to put some, some concerted effort uh, to try to get us back to functioning as optimally as possible? I mean, that's, that's the goal, right? Optimal function for a, a lifetime or as close as we can get it. It's not perfection. It's just playing with our bodies and seeing, you know, how, how great we can move through this world and how good we can feel doing it. Um, so yeah, that, I would encourage everyone to give it a try and see what you find. Play with your bodies a little bit uh, with the knowledge that you have now. And also feel free to do some reading. So like I said, um, we talked about four diaphragms, uh, four arches in the body, but depending on where you look for information um, across disciplines and even across cultures, you know, you might find that people say there's eight diaphragms. So you might want to read into where those are. Like in yoga, yoga talks about the eight diaphragms of the body. So yeah, lots of things to explore. And I think that's the important part, just being open-minded and um, being curious and being a silent witness to everything that your body's trying to teach you. I think that our bodies are a phenomenal teacher if we choose to listen. Yeah, definitely. So interesting. So fascinating. Thank you so much, Julia, for sharing all of it with us today. If someone has more questions for you, or just wants to know like more about what you talk about, where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm kind of like all over the place. (laughs) Um, So if you like Instagram, um, I actually have two Instagram accounts. So if you'd like to follow my clinic, uh, that Instagram account is uh, at core four underscore healing underscore and underscore and wellness. Um, you can check out my website. It's core for healing and wellness. I tried to make everything the same. Um, so that's kind of where my patient care originates. And that's where I, I do that thing. And then if you are interested in learning more about pelvic health, maybe you're a student, maybe, uh, you're in the health field. Maybe you're just curious about the human body. Uh, best place to follow me there is also on Instagram. It's at your pelvic health mentor. Um, and you can also check out my website associated with that, which is www.pelvichealthkickstarters.com. Um, and that's where I provide tons of pelvic health education. Um, so those are great places to check me out. Uh, you can always shoot me an email from either website, uh, or send me, you know, a, a DM slide into my DMS on Instagram. would love to chat with anyone. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much. This was really helpful for, I think for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for being patient with me as my words like got back up to speed. I think I got a second wind here, but it's like, you know, you're talking all day to patients and then it's like, oh man, maybe I reached my word quote. I don't know where they went. Yeah. Thanks for being patient with me. They're back. Um, I know how those days go. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and got some great information from it. If you are looking for more great information, I encourage you to go check out getyourfixpt.com. There you can gain access to blog posts, other podcast interviews, my online programs, and the race prep masterclass, which is for you if you are a chronically injured runner with foot and ankle issues. Once again, that is all at getyourfixpt.com. And I hope you join us next week for another great episode.